again. You are my home. You are my home. Home like no other. Home to hold on to. Sit and reach yes to me. Because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance, as it is this day. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time.
Here we are on another Sunday, Sunday, May the 17th, and this particular year, we're actually celebrating 17 years of marriage. Now, for many, because it's not divisible by five, that doesn't mean a lot for you, but what I will say is that the number 17 has seemed to have been important in our lives. When we began dating, uh, I just remember that uh, we started talking shortly before Lady Lexi's birthday in 2001 and her birthday we began talking at the, be at the end of November beginning of December um, and I was going home from Waco for the Christmas break shortly after her birthday on December 17th. We dated for a while and uh, come to find out that her mother's birthday, her uh, God may, may he rest her soul, um, she passed before I ever met Lexi, but her birthday was on August 17th. And because I knew that her birthday was on August 17th that year, uh, the, the, the 2002, her birthday actually fell on a Saturday and so Lexi normally lamented on that day and so I said well let's go out and eat and let's do so in honor of your mother and let's get dressed up and go to a special restaurant and as we did that I knew that I was going to ask her uh, to marry me on that day and so we actually got engaged on August 17th. Then as we talked about getting married and uh, we began to plan then the, 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 the wedding date was set for May. 17th. And then some years later, um, after the birth of our firstborn and just before the birth of our secondborn, in 2009, on August 17th, Lexi's dad was, was, was transitioned out of this life into the next. And so the number 17 is quite a special number for us for a variety of reasons. We've got uh, days on the 17th that are for lamenting, but also days on the 17th for celebration. And so this year, um, I am just excited to have 17 years of marriage with Lady Lexi. Uh, I want her to know that I love her and that I'm looking forward to the next 17 years. Um, but I did want to just pay a tribute on this particular Sunday. To Lady Lexi, love of my life. Love you, babe. Welcome to Greater Bosqueville Baptist Church. We are so happy you joined us today on our channel. But before we get started, I would like all of you to wish my mom and dad a very, very happy anniversary. It is their 17th year, and to the fullest, I love my parents. Welcome to Greater Bosqueville Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us today. Today is my mom and dad's happy uh, anniversary, and I just want to say happy anniversary, mom and dad. 
If you are blessed by this message, please hit the like button down below and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to share this with family and friends across the world. God bless you and keep you is our prayer. As we look at this particular passage of scripture in the Bible, what we find is that God seems to put a lot of emphasis on his people living for him. It seems to be actually a common theme all throughout the Bible. I hope that's not a surprise to you if you know anything about God, that he desires his people to live for him. And it's important that we do so. I believe one of the big problems we have within our society today, and it seems to have been something that we're born with because the people, the children of Israel in this passage seem to suffer from the same problem. The problem being that we understand often, especially those of us who acknowledge him as our heavenly father, we seem to know about him and know of him. We have difficulty living for him day in and day out. Some of the big problems we have with, with living for God, has, that has a lot to do with the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And so let's look at this particular passage of scripture uh, and I can talk through a little bit about what I mean when I say these things. The first thing uh, that I want us to, to really understand about this particular passage of scripture is that God, not only here, but in many places, especially in the Old Testament, reminds the children of Israel that he is the one who delivered them out of Egypt. Yes, he is the one that is credited for making sure that his people were freed from slavery, from an oppressive regime. He, God, took them out. And it's amazing because I don't know that uh, as I've been in the church and seen people talk about this, I don't know how much I really put thought into exactly how God did it. Um, but God, especially in this passage of scripture, we find delivered the children of Israel with his presence. It's amazing to me because what God didn't do is he didn't get them out of Egypt through a war. He didn't uh, cause some kind of political uprising. He didn't even cause necessarily a big fight between his children and the children of Egypt. All of these things I think he could have done and because of who he is, won. But the amazing thing about what God did was he actually delivered his children out of Egypt just by his presence. Oh, I know it's difficult to kind of see it that way. But one of the things that we must keep in mind is that when God put Moses up to the task to go talk to Pharaoh about the children of Israel coming out of slavery, what God allowed Moses to understand is that the, the heart of Pharaoh was going to be hardened. And why wouldn't it be? The, the children of Israel were his economic engine. They were the people who were bringing in all of the good money and allowing him to have 
the, the army that he had, they were the support for keeping all of the economy going strong. That's what free labor tends to do for you. And so what did God do? He caused all of the plagues and despite all of these plagues that went through the land, the Pharaoh of the time decided to ignore the power of God even through the plagues. He chose to ignore the power of God and hold on to the children of Israel. This lets you know that he found their presence and their work quite valuable. But God, through his presence and through his actions, without a war, delivered his children out of slavery. It's an amazing thing that he was able to do this. And I won't go through all of the plagues and, and, and I'll spare you the fact that all of the firstborn of Egypt were, were, were killed off over on the Passover night and, and how he delivered them through the Red Sea and that, uh, that, that Pharaoh and his army were swallowed up in the Red Sea when the water came crashing down upon them. Just know that the important part of this particular account is that God delivered his children. And it was through his presence. And not only did he deliver them, the next thing that I think we should learn from this, what God is talking about, and, and what should be remembered, not only by the children of Israel in the account, but those of us who live today, and that is that God kept them while they were in the desert. Now, understand this. God delivered them out of slavery and he took them into the desert. I don't know if you've ever thought about what God could have done once he took them out of slavery. I believe God could have taken them to a land with, with plush grass that was green all the time and water being supplied through streams and rivers all over the place and could have allowed them to have all of the resources that they needed to build the finest homes and the nicest offices in which to work. Uh, he could have supplied them with all kinds of wonderful things just because of who he is. But no, God took them out of slavery and then he took them into the desert. Now, if we went by our standards today, we would think that perhaps God took them out of the frying pan and put them in the fire. It doesn't seem to be an upgrade to go from slavery where you, at least according to the children of Israel, uh, at least you had your, your food and your water that you knew were going to come every day. And you go into a desert where there doesn't seem to be any provision at all. The desert doesn't seem to be a place that is filled with making sure we have water and food every day. But God took them in the desert and he began to feed them manna from on high. He began to give them water from places that they never thought water would come. And this is the kind of God that we serve. He, he kept them in the desert. Now what I like about God's keeping power, and, and I've thought about this, I'll try to rush through this particular insight of, uh, of mine that, that, I've, I, you know, that I've come to realize. Think about this, God delivered manna, and the way they talked about it, they called it manna because they didn't know what it was, and so literally the name of what they were eating is, what is this? But as I think about my own diet today, I think about the fact that I'm 
always trying to make sure I get some type of vegetable. I'm trying to, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not declaring myself any particular type of diet or any kind of, you know, I'm not a vegetarian or a pescatarian. Or any, I'm, I'm not doing those things, but what I do is I try to make sure I have some vegetables and I'm trying to make sure I eat things in moderation and I want to, I don't want to, to swear off beef, but I eat less of red meat and all these things. It's just personal choices that I make. But as I think about my nutrition, I do think about what I'm putting in my body and all of the various places these things should come from. But yet and still, here God is giving them something that's much like a film, a wafer across the ground, and this manna, as they called it, this what is this, had enough nutritional value to make sure that God's children had all of the vitamins and nutrients that they needed. Who, who but a God can do that? Who can feed you a cracker that's going to sustain you but God? And so here we have a God who's able to keep them. And if we continue to read in the Bible, what we'll find is that as God kept them in the desert for 40 years, what we find is that he let them know that your clothes didn't wear out, your shoes did not wear out. God kept them. It's an amazing thing that God was able to do. And these are things that I think a lot of times the children of Israel seem to forget and things that we forget that even in our worst times and when we're in places that are arid and dry and seem like they have no resources, God is able to keep us regardless of what we're going through. And then the last thing that I want to make sure that we address on today is that as God uh, talked to them and, and he kept them, he admonished them to live for him. That's an amazing thing to think about living for God because when God asks us to live for him, God is wanting us to truly obey him. That is where the rubber kind of meets the roads is that when we obey God, we, we are able to live for him. And how that plays out a lot of times, I know it did for me, is that we uh, need to learn all of the laws and everything that God said he wanted us to do, and we just need to make sure we do those things. So a lot of the good Christians are those who don't drink and smoke and, you know, do all of these other things that tend to have a worldly flavor to them. If we make sure that we are, you know, the kind of people who don't lie and make sure we don't cheat and do all of these things, if we're able to pull those things off, we're a good person. And of course, God blesses us because we're making sure we don't do all of those things that those terrible worldly people do. The problem is, if we think that way, we're not really living for God, we're living for ourselves. We're, 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 we're building up our resume of how good we've been and all those things. That That is not how we live for God. I hate to burst your bubble, but the way we actually live for God is we surrender to him. I can't put it in any simpler way. We actually just surrender. We, we, yes, we know the rules. We know the regulations. We understand and we've read through, but uh, through our own power, we are unable to keep all of the rules all of the time because we were born in sin and that means that sin creeps up on us every now and then and we fall victim to it 
So how do we live for God? Well, we surrender to God. We allow God to, to show us the pathway. We, we uh, uh, allow him to take us through the desert. We allow him to show us that he's able to keep us even when we're not able to keep ourselves. These are the ways that we live for God. We live for God when we put his desires ahead of our own. When we'll open up our ears and try to hear his word, depending on what situation we're in. When we'll open up our eyes and begin to see that the Lord has an army of people that protect us, even when danger is in our face. And the thing I love about it is that even as people attempt to take us out, as folks begin to, to, to have things that will scare us into submission when they throw death in front of us, we know that Christ defeated death and that Christ came just so that we don't have to be afraid of anything that anybody would do here on earth. And so, how do we live for God? We surrender to him and we obey him by surrendering to him and allow his spirit to fill us to be on the inside of us and to guide us in his way. Because if God can make manna, something that looks much like a wafer, I imagine, and it has enough nutrition to take care of all of the human body that he made, then God can certainly keep us here now and in today. May God bless you and keep you. That's our prayer. My, I certainly hope that you were blessed by that word from God. I want to remind you on today, as I do every week, that this ministry and our uh, love for God, uh, the way that we can serve Him best, is that we survive off of your generosity, your kindness, your donations. And so I'm asking you that if you've been blessed by this message, been blessed by this ministry, I'm asking that you'll support it through your monetary donations. The website that you can go to is www.gbbcwaco.org slash giving. That address is actually right at the bottom of this screen, but it's also in the description below where you can click on it and be taken to that website. We also have a place there where you can uh, get the address for our church and mail in uh, your donation if you would like. I want to remind you that we love God, we love you, and we'll continue sharing God, especially as you share with us. May you be blessed. Oh.